Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. This is our final watch-along episode of Dear Brother. My name is Vry Kaiser. You can find me on Twitter, at Writer Vry, where I despair about Donmay right now. And today I am once again joined for a last and feels field time by Mercedes, Jackie, and our very special guest, Diana. Hi! <laughs> I'm Chiaki Hirai. One of the editors for Anathem. You can find me at, at Chiaki747 or Animated Empress on Twitter. But who knows how long I'll be on there. Uh, they're both locked. Just send me a follow request. I'll probably requ- uh, say yes to both unless you look like a bot. If I don't accept you, you look like a bot. <laughs> there. Um, I guess I'll go next. So... Hi, my name is Mercedes. I am also an editor at Anime Feminist, and I am also a light novel editor editor for uh, Seven Seas. You can find me on Twitter at Pixelated Lenses, where I am talking about work and crying over Vivi Fluoride Eye song. That's such a good show. It's really good. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Fills me with emotion. Hi, I'm Diana. I'm on Twitter as at silence drowns and i am not from anapem but i am here to cry yay just so we're clear just so we're clear so did all y'all cry oh, no. multiple times a lot <laughs> okay did you okay. cry Chiaki? I, no of course not oh <laughs> okay oh bud it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. This time I'm with you. Although I think I got a, I, I might have gotten a little bit misty, but there were no tears. Oh, I distinctly cried at three different points. Ah, it's <laughs> a real good move and watch. All right. Before we get into the last stretch here, and you know, kind of sum up thoughts about the whole series at the end, we're doing one last roundup of content warnings. Uh, this time there will be discussion pretty extensively of suicide, suicidal ideation, uh, terminal and chronic illness, ableism, heteronormativity, uh, barrier gaze, and an age gap relationship between roughly, I think, a 16-year-old and a 22-year-old-ish. And were there any more epilepsy warnings that we needed to hit this time, Diana? I didn't notice anything particularly terrible If you've been fine with everything other than the broken light bulb, you'll be fine for this. Mm. Like, it's just nothing new. More occasional bits of, oh, I didn't quite enjoy that, but nothing that actually had me terrified like that light bulb did. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. So Ray's dead, huh? Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. I, y'all... Episode 33 comes around, and I said out loud to myself, oh no, this is the episode where Ray's gonna die. For sure, no question. (laughs) How many death flags did they set up? Oh, and oh, do I have some flower symbolism pain to add to everybody. Yes, good. Give us. Give it. The flower that Ray ends up buying for Nanako is a sweet pea. Which symbolizes goodbye, but particularly a bittersweet one. And I also found a source that it's sometimes used for happiness and that occasionally in Japan, it's given as a gift for couples about to start a new life together. Oh, that's fucked up. (laughs) Oh, 
So I yeah, love it. my note at the end has all of that and then says, so basically I hate this show LMAO. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, I don't I don't hate the show for killing Ray off. Like that's kind of been my assumption, the working assumption of what's gonna happen. Right. It's just the way they did it that really shocks me. Yeah, we're going to have to dig into this uh, because, so first of all, first layer, this guy, we are now getting into the stuff from the end of the series, which I think will impact a lot of what I have to say about it, where there's a lot of big divergences from the manga, as I understand. Mm -hmm. Mm, Okay. Because in the manga, as far as I know, from, of course, reading secondhand, dear listeners and or readers, please start putting Dear Brother in the suggestion box for the Seven Seas monthly uh, localization surveys. Uh, Ray very explicitly kills herself by overdose in the manga. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. There, oh, there, that, there's another big change, I think, from the manga that I know about that I think the anime act makes the anime a significantly stronger series, which is that mm. in the manga very explicitly, Rei and Fukiko do not know that they're full-blooded siblings. The fact in the anime that they both know and are trying to hide it from the other, I think makes the relationship much better and more interesting than it would have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that is that is interesting. I just So, uh, one of our contributors, actually, uh, Caitlin Donovan, did some interesting meta-writing about the anime version of Ray's death and about how if you look at it from a modern lens a lot of Ray's actions seem like things that we do recognize as the behaviors of suicidal people like cleaning seeming like they're doing briefly better making plans um you know sort of getting their life in order as it were and yet at the same time there's this element where it feels like strongly like executive meddling that the anime has to be like oh no she died by tragic accident definitely whereas i think that there is a credible argument to be made that she had maybe been planning suicide and that she killed her she did throw herself off that bridge but it was like an impulse move yeah because i i actually i i kind of sat with that thought of it being like a suicide of impulsivity because like you know you 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 hear all these facts about like bridges and how often like you know barriers are the way to save people who may have Mm -hmm. ideation and you know no judgment to anyone who does I am someone myself who like because of my own mental illnesses live routinely with ideation but like barriers are something that often kind of put that wall between the impulsivity and it is interesting to read it much more like Ray was doing good and then like just something something about walking across that crossway and like then Ray's gone because it does there's something that didn't sit right with me about like oh it's definitely an accident because I'm like you know what a what a cheap way to get rid of this character yeah I don't know also they made her bounce against the train which just really (laughs) fuck what was Ray in Space Jam or something like (laughs) It just really bothered me. It just really bothered me. Because Ray has struggled with suicidality. One of the takes I've heard a lot that is actually, I think, my favorite is that is the is very similar to that. That in this particular take on it, 
Ray did not actually want to kill herself, but has been living with so much of the ideation and other things that when the flowers go overboard, she just jumps to try and get the flowers thinking, oh, I need to get them. But with because she's just had so little regard for her own life that the, hey, maybe this is going to hurt me is just broken for good. Mm, fuck. That, that's a good reading. I would I would understand that. Like, yeah. we'll never really know, but I think that's one of the uh, more emotionally powerful ones. Mm-hmm. I think it's very valid to read this as pretty much anything on the spectrum because it is very deliberately vague. I think mm-hmm. it is I think it must have been an authorial and directorial choice to leave it with this absolute ambiguity where you could make an equally strong argument for or against. And like for me, I didn't really read this as a suicide and that's what infuriates me about, mm-hmm. you know, Ray's death, which is she has, you know, she, she's made so many different uh, changes to her life. And I know that, you know, there's like the concept of, oh, uh, returning things that you owe and making, you know, kind of tidying up your life before you go is a way that recognizes suicidality. But at the same time, like Ray had food in the fucking fridge. That fridge was stocked. That is that is a character development right there. Yeah, because non-binary sis did guzzle that bottle of water right in front of the fridge. <laughs> she did. And so, like, everything, all all the language that I got from leading up to that jump felt like Ray was renewed and was ready to begin, but just the forces at, you know, that be needed to have them killed. That's that's yeah. just how it, it it felt like we need this for the drama kind of thing. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll say even like it kind of grimly made me think of like those 1950s kind of mid-century novels about cautionary lesbianism. Oh, and my like, God. Like, like mm-hmm. Sarah loves Jane, but then Jane gets cancer because she's queer and you can't have that. And like Ray is in love like ray is a person in love and like nanako is in love with ray and it's so beautiful and it's so good and like ray kind of gets punished for it and so does nanako because nanako sits there until it's dark like waiting for ray and it's just like it's all right like ray maybe ray was busy maybe something happened with them and it's just really it really i don't know it's gonna it sits wrong with me that like i don't know I just feel like Ray got done dirty. Yeah. I think it is both true, you know, that the, there is, it's an open scene where I think that the director and the boarding do a lot to leave ambiguity there such that you can have these really interesting interpretations. My partner and I were actually talking um, and they pointed out that it's very close to almost being what we know the series to do as like when we're, viewing Nanako's reconstruction of an event where it's largely in these dramatized screen caps. Mm -hmm. And I think that it would have been, it's almost really powerful where it's almost framed as, you know, Nanako thinking about Ray's death and ah, well, she must've just slipped and it was, um, and, but we'll never know. But I think because it, we see Ray through the quote unquote objective cam of in motion from a third person POV. It kind of slips on that point. I swear this is 
look, they told us we cannot explicitly depict suicide in this anime in 1991, and we're gonna, we have to work within that. And yet at the same time, yeah, I, I agree that when you just watch it casually, it reads as an accident of fate uh, and tragedy. And that kind of sucks because the way this manga is built up as a tragedy, and we'll talk about this more, I think, with Kaoru, at least when Rei kills herself, you know, more directly and um, explicitly, it's fitting in with these themes that she felt like she wasn't needed and she wasn't wanted. And it ties to other things other than she can't be happy with Nanako because there are no happy queers, you know? Yeah. And can I, can I just make a quick note? You know, in mm-hmm. 90, 91, it's a little early maybe still to um, depict suicide in Japanese media, at least like on the TV. But I, I feel like at that point, I, I would see some uh, shows that went, close to there i remember like distinctly when i was growing up in the early 90s watching a j-drama you know graphically depicting uh suicide uh, mm. for like you know one of those sappy romance kind of things and mm. like I, that stuck with me forever i think it you know it's one of those scars <laughs> but um uh-huh. i mean i think Japanese media was willing to go there if they wanted to, is all yeah. I'll say. Yeah. No, fair. And and I'll, I'll say too, maybe, maybe, and like, because I'm just, I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. I think what ultimately kind of bothers me in thinking about what everyone said is like, and I don't, I don't like, listener, please roll with me on this thought because I don't know if what I'm going to say is going to get what I'm trying to get across. There is some license in the manga's take on Ray dying by suicide that gets taken away here because like Ray has had no license in this entire show. Her life has not been, I'm sorry, their life has not been their own. Right. And like, mm-hmm. it just hurts so much that like, Ray can't even have a smidgen of happiness as a tree, just gets it yanked away. And like this final moment of their 17 years of existence is it's not even their own. Like Ray was just trying to grab the flowers. And like I said, they kind of get punished for that. Not, not to say that like a death by suicide is anyone's choice. I think suicide and suicidality are often, um, you know, they, they, they come in a, in an often painful string of events, a painful course of events that have led the person in question to feel like this is the option of like, I, I don't know how much more I can bear, how longer I can tread water. But there's something really tragic to me that like Ray just has no license even in the end. Yeah, it's, it's feels cheaper if it's a, an accident because then it's like some Joss Whedon, Terra bullshit as opposed to like suicide is not a choice like you said I think that's a beautiful way to put it but at least you feel the cumulative events up to that point from everything in the series right Mm -hmm. and 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 like there would have been something fraught if Ray had died by suicide too right like there's something fraught still in that that like Ray just can't be allowed to be happy maybe like or that Ray can't be given healing through love and through someone loving Ray enough that Ray can maybe start loving themselves again. But like, mm-hmm. there is just something so brutal about like, Ray dies without any 
basically dies without consent, which I mean, I suppose we all do. But like, we all know that death is going to come. That is a part of human, you know, that's part of existence. But like, Ray doesn't even get a say so in their own death. They, it just kind of gets snatched from them, like right as they're going to a date. And it's mm-hmm. just, mm. I hate this show. There's, a, I've watched <laughs> it like six times. I hate it. Yeah. And I think the other double whammy that makes it feel really mean and cruel by the time you get to the end is that uh, in the manga, Karu also dies. What? She does not magically get better from her cancer. What? I actually think that the anime left it kind of vague as to exactly how much longer is she going to live. Yeah, yeah, because during that marriage scene, it does zoom in on Karu and she's like, for as long as I live, I'll keep these vows. And you're kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yep. five years, right? <laughs> and at that point, what it, you know, at the point when they get to the baby, she's been going for three years. Yeah. Right. That's So she has two years to get out of the woods. Yeah. I, I, I think it's the same thing as like the ambiguity of Ray's death, right? Where if you are just reading it from a comfortable, casual viewership, question it leads you to all right ray's death was an accident and we have a uh, dead sapphics and the heteronormative couple got better and look they are of a happy new start because that's the closing image of new life and nanako's met someone new and look infant like i think absolutely you can read it as well we don't know but it's not explicit such that it leaves that door open to right. straight marriage will save your will, will in fact save you to a happy ending guess i'm gonna die (laughs) i will say basically that a giant amount of the fandom likes to just ignore the ending because ha 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 no it the babies ever after just really the de-yassification of kauru is just so so brutal i was like really this I mean, especially what? after, like, so much of her character was, I am never getting married, fuck this, and, yeah. like, I am I am terrible at traditional feminine things, right. and then, like, the final cut to, cut to is, oh, by the way, Karu is now absolutely a woman. Like, I mean, bring back the Kauru that cracked an egg so badly. Bring back the Kauru with the embroidery hoop in the mouth. Yes! <laughs> I want. Instead, mm-hmm. we got, like, very uncomfortable age, I mean, bad age gap. And, like, look, I'll say, I like, I like Tamara Pierce. And as an American author, she oh. likes age gap a lot. <laughs> But this one, oh, I was just like, mm. I was like, like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Honestly, by then, I didn't even have the energy to get... By that point, after Ray died, I was just so dragging myself to the end of the series, I didn't even have the energy to be like, yo, Henry, you're a creep, actually. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Be strong, my ass. Like, <laughs> Be strong to survive watching the end of this series. <laughs> be strong man i love that meme it's a, good, it's a it's great a good meme, meme. It's a good meme. Every, it's a good meme. i was listening last time to everyone saying oh i can't wait to find out what the context is and i'm just sitting here like the context sucks it's not gonna really matter <laughs> <laughs> the context is that the sh- a shit man decided to be a father for the first time in 13 years yeah Speaking of, uh, speaking of, speaking of, speaking of, hit me. 
Oh, uh, one more thing before we get into Henmi. I have seen some folks um, comparing, like, you know, cuts of, uh, like, raw images from the manga of another thing that's just a why change from the anime is that uh, Kaoru was still wearing pants uh, post-wedding, and I think also even at the wedding? It it was raw, so, you know. But, yes, uh, Kaoru is still wearing pants. Let her wear pants. Yeah, Kaoru got married and was, like, skirts don't put her in a pencil skirt at the airport now that she's a woman. Uh-huh. Ever, like, I, I just love how the series is, is just beautifully done queer, tra- queer tragedy. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, but yes, now we have to have almost everybody end up straight to be happy. Except Mariko, who gets to be a lesbian in a cute little apartment eating pastries and good for her. But I do, mm-hmm. I do want to say Mariko's like sadness when like they're heading to Germany, and Mariko's like, "It's a beautiful city, and they have sausages." I was like, "Oh my god!" It's <laughs> like Mariko, sweetie, I'm so sorry that you had to watch your girlfriend get married and turn like, <laughs> like just go full head. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like when she said sausages, I did start crying because I was just like, "This is the saddest thing," and I think anyone who's queer maybe has been there at that moment of like oh no (laughs) i'm losing them this is a a very relevant thing to point out because uh chiaki you and mercedes both were watching the retro crush version right yes no i watched the blu-ray oh okay Uh, oh right you got the blu-ray uh i i I pulled um screenshots from the retro crush version so i i do switch once in a while Gotcha. Uh, the pronoun or the the subtitles are slightly different, as yep. we've discussed in past. Uh, the pronouns for Mar- uh, for Nanako's last night lines in the Blu-ray release are are neutral. She uses they pronouns. Okay. And the Retro Crush one uses he, which I don't love. No, I don't love it either. And you know, just just speaking on context, you know, because I'm watching it in Japanese and. I barely ever totally. read the subtitles. Yes, it's very ambiguous as well. I thought so. I thought it was, uh, as we lovingly like to call it in this house, playing the pronoun game. Well, that's <laughs> just speaking Japanese. Oh, yeah. No, I, I assumed that it was, you know, you don't have to have a have a subject pronoun, but also it conveniently allows you to skirt the line of the fact that Nanako is a lesbian. I mean, look, nobody in the history of ever has ever painted their thumbnail red and been straight. <laughs> their thumbnail only? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> the, okay, Mariko's last, the image where she's painted her pinky nail and the, her thumbnail and a million terrible jokes. <laughs> I did not even think of any of them. They all flooded my mind just now. <laughs> good for you girl oh anyway God. but you know what we... yeah uh-huh. uh, you know mariko poor mariko uh she's gonna be a crazy cat lady isn't she no a, i don't want with to. a knife <laughs> i mean like like she's living with her mom and she's like together forever this is gonna be our life and i'm like oh honey you're gonna you're gonna Zop like five cats, and then it's going to be ten cats. <laughs> oh, no. No, I don't want... Look, I love cats, but no. Let Get Mariko a girlfriend. Twenty cats. <laughs> cats just keep increasing. 
And we can't, okay, we have to stop putting off talking about Henmi now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh... I mean, here was my initial thought when, like, the news broke of Henmi <laughs> being Nanako's stepbrother. I was like, can you imagine, can you fucking imagine that weeks after the love of your teenage life, you get the news that this dude is related to you. <laughs> And nobody decided to tell you because, I don't know, hands in the air emoji. Like, <laughs> I would just, I would be like, you know, life is really kicking me right now. I would flip my shit. Like, honestly, Nanako needed to get angrier. <laughs> like, sis, go left for once. <laughs> no, no, because she's handling her grief by never being mad at anybody because then some might, something bad might happen to them. Ow. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate that this show wanted to do and he can't see without his glasses moment, but I really wish that she could have been there when Ray died somehow. Like, fuck up. Yeah. yeah. I would be, I would be, I, I would just be mad. Mm-hmm. I, I will say it gets points for, uh, I couldn't stop thinking you know, if this were a more recent anime, we would have had to do the, well, he's not technically blood-related shit. Oh my god, no. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> see? See? Small blessings. Oh, no, yeah, like, when I was, I admit, when I first watched it, I'd watched enough, um, I'd watched enough slightly dubious anime because you get what you can when you are a millennial who wants to watch queer anime and a lot of it is very bad <laughs> that I was just like, oh, please tell me she doesn't hook up with him. Please tell me. And then he didn't. And then they didn't. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like yeah. this very season, we had an anime that opened with, oh, well, I guess he's not my... Man, fuck a couple of cuckoos. I did not enjoy that. We can cut this, but... <laughs> Look, I gotta review it. <laughs> I gotta review it so like I enjoy it far less Fry. No that's fair you're suffering much more than me I only had to watch one episode this is a diversion I'm sorry I'm I'm blissfully ignorant of this season's anime so I didn't even ask to review it it got assigned to me did I make make Lindsay mad (laughs) (laughs) you like rom-coms right oh fuck me for saying that I should have never I should (laughs) have kept my opinions to myself been like I hate rom-coms Hate them. <laughs> Couple like, cuckoos. <laughs> it does. The whole thing with Kaoru and Henmi is the big moment in the series where I think, but for the most part, it has done such a good job mm. of making the pace feel natural and like obviously this is the amount of time we should be spending with these characters. And then you hit this bit, and I'm like, oh, this is from a three volume manga, huh? The going through the manga is whiplash because it really is only three volumes and a lot of the stuff that everybody praises in the anime just straight up wasn't in the manga so like when you read it it just feels like it feels like you're just getting kicked in the chest repeatedly for no goddamn reason i love it give ray back her bell bottoms 2022 but this this arc definitely felt like it was mm -hmm. It was, I was like, oh, this manga did not have a lot of meat on the bones compared to this 39 episode show. One of the mm-hmm. only cases where a series added filler, and I think it was infinitely for the best. Because, like, in the manga, you can almost see how, you know, 20 episodes ago, we had that mysterious bit of foreshadowing where Kaoru was thinking about some faceless dude that 
is on her mind. And then, you know, a couple chapters later that comes up again, but it's been 20 episodes. So I'm like, I don't, I would rather know more about Kaoru and Ray's friendship. We don't know how they know each other. Supposedly they're childhood friends. What's happening? Heterosexuality. Turns out. I didn't request that. (sighs) I don't think any of us did. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kind of glad, like, okay, Takeshi's not a bad guy after all. Maybe I was wrong. I'm shocked. I was wrong. <laughs> Earnestly only, shocked. Only thing, only thing he did wrong was that he had a blowtorch and he was trying to change a spark plug in his car. Like, who does that? <laughs> Someone who doesn't know how to fix cars in the least. <laughs> By the end, we had resorted to like a, a Tomoda situation in our house. We're like, oh, this is, so this is Henmi's boyfriend and they live together. And once his wife tragically dies, they'll have great cover. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, no. That's really funny. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, because Cow was for sure not gonna make it. I feel like. I feel like the fact that I know that this is how it goes in the manga almost makes me hate this a tiny bit less because knowing how it is in the manga, it's very like, okay, I am dying. I will, I will cling to whatever chance I have for any kind of what society tells me is happiness. Oh, well, I'm just not quite ready to give up yet. Yeah. Like it's still fraught, but at least it on a, narrative structural level works as a tragic foil to Ray in terms of the fact that they have these tragically short lives and the happiness they're able to get out of them, which I think it doesn't make Ray not a tragic queer character, but it takes the sting out of it a little because it's also about these other things, you know? For the record about that, I think one of the strongest scenes in this entire garbage plot line in the anime, anyway, is Fukiko breaking down and screaming at Kaoru that, like, you have even just five more years. How dare you waste it? Yeah. That yeah. that really hurt, but, like, in the kind of good way that I enjoy, because apparently I hate myself as well. <laughs> no, no, that was good feels. That was a return to good feels. It's good where, like, it's strong and character-based, and I feel like I know something about Fukiko. Also, kind of, like, Mm? traditional to this show at this point, I guess, is, you know, Fukiko's arc, right, is over. So now, she's normal! I was gonna say, she's she's just a normal human being. (laughs) She's saying things, yeah, she's just saying sensible things. Like, when when Fukiko rode in on her horse... And went to sit on a rock. I was like, that's what normal people do. Not literally everything Fukiko has done until now. Like, because I remember. But like Jackie said, her arc is over now. So yeah. now she has been demoted to supporting player. Yeah. She no longer wants to drown people. <laughs> like, she just goes and sits on a rock and she's like, Ray, if you were capable of loving a man like I am. How would you feel? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, Fukiko. Like, okay. Weird okay. question to ask the dead ghost of your sister, but okay. <laughs> okay. There's some yeah. bits about the end of her arc that feel very, not to be overly crude here, but feels very, okay, 
the dog finally caught the car bumper. Now what? <laughs> I I did. I mean, it's it's sappy as hell, but it one of like like the the scene between Fukiko and Kaoru. I did kind of like her dream vision of Ray, where it's like, no, you. That was a teenage crust that you had. You will find another person you're in love with. Yeah. Like that is the kind of adolescent mood that the series is so good at. Mm-hmm. But uh, boy, the cancer, huh? Mm. I, I I wrote down as possible trigger warnings that we need a med that we might need one for medical misogyny specifically because oh yeah. As somebody who has suffered some rather permanent damage due to medical misogyny, the parts where they just keep talking to literally everybody except for Kaoru for her own good, just, it sends the bad feeling up my spine and makes me want to scream. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know Kaoru's parents are a non-entity in this, but he's not even real. I do- mm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Kaoru was really interesting because I couldn't help but, like, especially with the mastectomy scars, I couldn't really help but, like, draw this comparison to... Do y'all remember when the world lost their mind over Angelina Jolie getting a Oh, God, yes. And people were like, it's the end of womanhood. If you don't have titties, how can we tell what gender you are? And, like, it really made me think. I was like, this is just... Kaoru's getting done dirty. Like, no one will talk to her about her own body, the body that she's inhabiting that, like, has a sickness. And I was just like, what next? We gonna tell Kaoru she ain't a woman? I mean, I feel like that's implicit in the scene she has with Nanako where where she opens her shirt and there's this black mass because, because, I don't know, you don't want to show titties, but you could draw a nippleless titty. And it would feel less dehumanizing. It it, it feels felt- like reading Blackjack all over again. Is there titties in that? I mean, there's no, titties there's- all, all the time. No, in but there Jack, is but- a there is an early trans guy character who is o- otherwise treated well, except the reason that he is now a man is because he had to have a hysterectomy. What? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> um, does happen. That um, does happen. He tried for the 60s and failed really hard because the 60s. <laughs> it's like I'm reading MW all over again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I got to recover from that. But like, it, it is quite dehumanizing that like Kaoru could not even like, like Kaoru is still the gender she identifies as. Like, and and that and, and that's what made me think of Angelina Jolie because there was all this conversation at the time when Angelina Jolie had a, a you know announced that she was getting a double mastectomy, and like people were like, "Is this the end of her womanhood? Is she no longer going to be beautiful?" And like she did it because she has a genetic predisposition to certain forms of cancer that affect breast tissue, and she just wanted to mitigate that risk so she could continue Not to be- exist. Yeah, and like, like, and like, everyone was just like up in arms. I mean, you would have thought the president got shot the way people were reacting, and instead, it was just a woman who was like, "My breasts don't define me," and it was just really—I don't know. I feel once again, I feel for Kauru, and I guess she gets her womanhood back because she's still capable of marriage. I just, uh, oh, baby, no. Uh, 
Mercedes, just just so we're clear, though, I think some people care about uh, her boobs more than the president. Just, just, just <laughs> yes, to put yeah. It out there. I mean, like, but, um, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, fair, fair. Uh, but I, I feel like you know, Kara's whole character throughout, you know, not just this arc, but this entire series is couched on like why, like why is she so manly? Why is she so like non-traditionally, you know, not not femme and like i feel like it leads up to answering this question you know question by saying like oh because she has she has cancer and or she had cancer and she had to chop off a boob like this (laughs) like she's she's gonna die of cancer and she decided i'm not gonna be a woman anymore and that's why like that's the entire basis of her being like super masculine on everything like Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely think that subtext is there. Mm-hmm. And even in this, even in the scene where she talks to Nanako, it's like, from a societal point of view, like you said, Mercedes, this is still very much a thing of cultural misogyny. So I understand why Kaoru has a lot of angst about it, especially as a teenager. But it, by this point, after Ray's death, Nanako has is coping by being like, supernaturally empathetic. So with her in that role, it almost feels like you know, she should be the one to say, but no, you're you and or you're still beautiful. And instead, she just breaks down crying like, oh, you have lost your womanhood. And I'm like, OK, show. And you're just like, you're like Nanako, swerve back, swerve out of Turf City, baby girl. Get back <laughs> over to the right lane, Nanako. Like, look, I mean, like, if I had lost my tall androgynous partner, yeah, I would be bent out of shape, too. I would be weeping and, you know, oh, cool. However, Nanako, child. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I don't blame her. It's just another one of those weird structural choices that defines this last stretch. Yeah. Like, Nanako had some very strong opinions about womanhood. Suddenly, okay, woo, okay. Like, For the first time. Maybe she should go get on the horse that Fukiko rode and go to that rock and sit with that. Like, <laughs> Pick up the violin. Pick up the violin a bit. Yeah, get, get, get your uh, how do you pronounce them jodhpurs the, the fancy hip pants get those like you know just like oh what a trip <laughs> what a mess what a mess also just to be petty it doesn't make sense for the doctor to be telling Henmi about Kaoru's surgery chances and like her survival from it and then also to have the naked reveal scene on the riverbank with Tanabata and all that fun stuff. He already knows, apparently. Look, that doctor, maybe that doctor was like, hand me, I gotta let you know. I gotta let you know, like, this is the kind of woman you're gonna get. Here's a preview. Like, it's just fucked. It's just fucked, and I don't like it. And I mentioned the absolute pettiest thought I have about about the kimono reveal thing. Go on. I am... I am a customer, and I am someone who loves just clothing as a concept throughout all cultures. I, you show me an outfit, and I will just be fascinated by how it works. Which mm-hmm. is why, since I know what it's like to put on a yukata, a scene where you just dramatically rip off the entire yukata in a single dramatic motion without even bothering to screw with the obi or whatever, it just drove me up a wall. I'm just like screaming inside, fabric does not do that. I am sitting here watching a truly horrific heteronormative scene, and I am mad that the fabric is not doing the thing correctly. 
Alternative, Kaoru's yukata was made out of paper. <laughs> no, 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 no. She was just she put it on like she would a courtesan. That's that's like she yeah. was planning it all along. She knew it was going to be like a sexy reveal kind of thing. Except you know it what? wasn't I'd sexy. I'd almost buy that just... terrible. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the same character that once again embroidery hoop in the mouth. <laughs> like it's it's true. Somebody had to help her put that on. Like, it's, it's just, I did like oh. that she wore Ray's number. Oh, that God, was, yeah. No. That, yeah. That's one of the moments I cried. That was sweet. Oh, I really wish we could have ditched all of this in favor of learning more about Kaoru and Ray because they are, they are sweet. And I want to know about this apparently very pivotal relationship. Yeah. No, yeah. we need more gender roles. No, you're right. That's on me. That's that's on me. <sighs> Loving vintage anime is pain sometimes. Sometimes. Well, I feel like this one is so interesting in that it really is pretty strong for at about three quarters of it. It holds up really shockingly well. Yeah. And I feel like especially people bag on older shoujo a lot because I think I brought this up in another episode, the question of, you know, is it worse to not try at all and then those old shonen become classics because they didn't try or be old shoujo that tried and then aged kind of badly. But it, it really, a lot of the stuff about class and, and Nanako trying to navigate stuff as a, as in gender roles and, her feelings for for ray it's all really good strong stuff and then you hit this ending and it's like oh oh no because like yeah. i like that it tried i i really i would i i definitely think i would like shows to try more even if they fumble but like after ray dies there did come a point where i whispered to myself what is going on because Hi. i was just like ray dies and the show leans into like did you know gender? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's like, I, I, what I have learned, cause this is really the first retro series, like that I've ever watched, like all the way through that I've really thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I, I'm, I'm realizing like, this is, it is a product of its time. I'm I, I to a great degree. I do like that. It tried though. Hmm. Yeah. Like, on the whole, put it even with the fact that it really kind of face plants at the end here, and I was basically dragging myself through the last six episodes. I really, really love this show. Like the stuff that it does well is so strong and beautiful. Like the art is gorgeous, the voice acting's really good, the music is is so evocative. Like, mm. hot damn, I'm angry more people have not watched this because again, comparing it to shonen shows that get more credit. Evangelion also falls apart a lot in the last fourth. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say yeah. it's interesting you say that because like, because I've never seen it, but based on my understanding from social media, that would not be the case because everybody just sings Eva's praises. Listen, I love Ava and I even like the TV ending for some of the stuff it's doing, but production wise and narratively, that shit comes to pieces. It's true. But, like, I think that, I do think that Dear Brother is so good when it isn't falling apart at the end, 
that it's worth just watching and appreciating, but also just like giving a disclaimer to people that, oh, and by the way, the ending sucks, but everything else makes it worth it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I would have appreciated that warning going in. <laughs> I'm sorry. Everyone, I was, everyone swears I was told, by the show. And I was, I was like, okay. <laughs> I Everybody told me not to give spoilers, so I didn't give any. But I was definitely hurting at times, not giving them. <laughs> no, no, this is my fault for doing this to you, Chiaki. You're never going to get me to watch Utena now. No! I won't trust you. I won't trust see, you. See, and conversely, <laughs> now I'm kind of hyped to watch Utena. It's the duality of it all. Oh. <laughs> now the last two people on Earth who haven't seen Utena and can say smart things on the internet. Now I only have one of them. <laughs> Oh, that's nice that you think I'm so smart. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely a show that, like, I'm going to do what I did with, um, oh, I feel like there was a recent anime that I had to do this with where I was like, mm, the last, oh, you know what? It was Monica. I was, I was about to say, was it Wonder Egg? <laughs> oh you God. know what? Yeah, let's go Wonder Egg, because that's, 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 a, that's a really, yeah, like, with Wonder Egg, you just kind of have to pretend that it ends in episode 11. And if you do, you're like, wow, what a interesting original concept with a really banging soundtrack. And this, I'm just going to pretend that um, the moment where Fukiko sits on a rock is really where it is. <laughs> like, that, that's a good cutoff. That, yeah. If you see Fukiko ride up on like a brown chestnut horse that looks like a Pona, gets off of it and sits on a rock, just go through that scene. Close uh, close retro crush after that. <laughs> close it. Cue up the uh, ending, um, you know, mm. on on YouTube or something, and just you yeah. know watch that after and closure. And and like maybe listen to the OP again because that OP slaps. It really going, does. Like going around my that... house talking about the gold and silver bowl. <laughs> okay, so who here is never going to forget the word for bowl in Japanese after watching this show? <laughs> Well, I mean, I already knew it. <laughs> that is true. It's true. Okay, but I did have a moment where deep in the hazes of sleep deprivation, I had the thought, you know, one of the uh, w- one of the musical riffs in the, the ending sounds kind of like Billy Joel's The Stranger, and now that lives in my head. Which, like, it's not an inappropriate song for this show. Huh. Hmm. I think you're right. Dang. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. See, now it lives in your head, too. So Luckily, funny. I don't Thanks know what for that, that is, so that will never work. <laughs> You're free. <laughs> it can be tough, and not unreasonably so, to recommend older shows like this, where it's like, well, yes, it it's deeply tragic, because it's a show made about queer people before 1990, and it's not one of the five exceptions, but you should watch it anyway. Like, I understand why people don't necessarily want to do that, but it's really really good and i feel like understanding this history really informs and makes one's knowledge of media history more rich and i want more people to watch the show that's actually what i was just about to say was like i think watching this really enriched a lot of my understanding of like certain things i've seen in manga Mm -hmm. um like I did not realize, I, I, th- I think it's actually not an overstatement to say that, like, Dear Brother walked so a lot of other series could fly and do really fantastic things. 
And it's really given me, I, I think if you're someone who really wants to understand the history of a genre, this is like a really critical kind of text to engage with. And I, I don't regret it from that side at all. Like it's really interesting and it really explains a lot of the things that you you see in like 90s anime that you see even, I mean, even now. It, it's really good for mm-hmm. like that kind of context. How many series I've seen that managed to rip off the uh, Ray in the Coffin shots? Like mm. that is everywhere in Tragic Shoujo ever since. Right. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I, I I do appreciate the amount of time the show is willing to dedicate to the fallout of grief. I think that that's really nice and understated in an effective way for a show that is defined by its extraness a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have to say, in terms of making me sad by making me remember what real grief is like, there's only one other series I've seen that can outdo that, and that, I only think, outdid it because of one truly spectacular performance. What series is that? Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And mm-hmm. I watch a lot of tragedy because, apparently, I enjoy when my favorite series hurt me. I hate myself for it, but this is just who I am. It's the life you've chosen to live. Yep. I've decided that it is great, in fact, when Media Roundhouse kicks me in the chest. That's so funny. (laughs) Where are you sitting with it, Chiaki, on, on like, the whole? No, uh, I think, you know, definitely as a piece for historic context, I appreciate this show a lot. And I appreciate a lot of the tropes that it's set up. Uh, whether it's the class S concept or the kiss from uh, X arm, like all of this, <laughs> there's so I much history. About that. <laughs> there is oh so much God. history, you know, in this show that I, I really appreciated watching and it's an, you know, and as Diana, you said, you know, getting into this podcast and series, this is the, definitive you know 90s aesthetic anime and like i just love sort of the visual elements of everything here and all the things that it did i genuinely i genuinely think it's one of the most beautifully done cell animated anime to ever be made yeah no i mean i i loved watching this show um you know, I definitely one of those. And, you know, I agree. Like you, you watch two episode 32 and maybe you just kind of turn it off, turn it off and say that, you know, maybe 33 through 39 were lost. Like the, you know, those episodes of Doctor Who and, you know, who, who knows what happens then. We'll never know about Nanako and Ray's perfect date where she uh, opened up to her about her tragic past and the fact that her mother committed suicide in front of her. Yeah. I guess we'll never know, yeah. but it was probably beautiful, and they had a very touching relationship. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think I, I know some websites with with the stories that I need to read on it. So <laughs> I, I was about to say I am I am typing in archive of our own right now to see how many <laughs> fanfics there are. Ooh, give us the, the ending. The ending of this series makes me remember all those old MythBusters memes that are like, "I reject your reality and substitute my own," and I'm like, "Yes, that's me watching the end of this series." <laughs> I reject this. Like, it's so, isn't it? It is a lot. Yeah. 
I'm just really sad that my prediction that Kaoru and Mariko was going to be a thing is just like, that's dead in the water. It's just Mariko and her 20 cats. <laughs> a 50. Oh, there's only 37 <laughs> Dear Brother fan fictions. What's the top Ow. ship? Let's see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it is Ray Nanako with 10. 10 of 37. Okay. What's uh, the distressingly, distressingly, that there are nine for uh, Ray and Fukiko. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And only one for Kaoru and Mariko, so I don't know what that's oh, about. Oh, boo! Okay, it's cool. Right. It's gonna be. It's gonna become two. Listeners, apparently- listeners, better get writing. Better get writing. Well, apparently, everyone's ships Kaoru because there are seven of those out of again okay, thirty-seven. Well, that's, that's okay. Acceptable. Okay. I'm fine with I'm that. I'm curious. I'm curious what the top like rating is. Is it E? Or is uh, it? I'm or sure. Is it, or, is it, or is it G? I said E, and I think what I meant was E for everyone, forgetting that E is explicit. Yeah, I was about to say, well, there are four explicit fics, but I don't really want to read porn about high no, schoolers. No, I definitely <laughs> forgot E is not everyone in fact. <laughs> have, have people stopped using the little lemon and the limes? Yeah, like 20 years it's ago. 2022. <laughs> I'm sorry, I stopped writing in 2010. The kids, the youths don't even know what lemon and lime is anymore. They don't even know what kink tomato is. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Just showing, just capping off by showing our age. Good. This is, this is excellent. We're as old as this show. <laughs> That's true, oh. literally. Oh, God. Yeah, we. <laughs> oh. Actually, I'm still older than the show. Same. Oh, that's beautiful. I, I guess this is my last chance to uh, to entreat people to go out and buy it on Blu-ray while it's still available. Uh, not least because of the improved subtitles. Yeah. Yes, the improved absolutely. subtitles and are a big part. And also, I'm just going to be the mercenary here. Go out and buy it while you still can, because when it goes out of print, there is going to be a group of people who just never bother buying it. And then they're like, oh, crap, I forgot to buy it. And if you have it around and don't like it, well, then that's some dollars in the bank, baby. It's true. It's a win-win. I do like, want to say that Right Stuff has it for 5246 American right now. So, like... It's bound to go on sale soon. When's the next holiday? Fourth of July? Uh, Memorial uh, Day? Juneteenth. Sure. <laughs> I mean... I only remember off. Memorial Day because that's when Fanime is. <laughs> I mean, yes, it is. That's true. You're right. But that's not that's that's when you buy a car, not anime. That is true. That is true. <laughs> true. I mean, you buy anime at Fanime. <laughs> it's in the name. I only buy alcohol at Fanime. True. <laughs> Does anybody have any final thoughts on the series before we go? Besides, you know, ask somebody to license the manga. Yeah, I mean, I'll let you two go. It's <laughs> it. I enjoyed it. I really quite enjoyed it. It's a really interesting kind of historic look at some of the foundations of what we think of as modern shoujo, and kind of it's a really good. Definitely, I mean, there's parts of it that are fraught, but I think. That's what I like about shoujo is the kind of conversations it tends to have with fraughtness 
and in a lot of cases, fraughtness and femininity and how those are very realistically entangled. Like, that is the one thing. This is heightened drama, but this is also drama that could very much so happen in the real world. And, like, I definitely think it's worth watching simply to have kind of the encyclopedic knowledge of shoujo and of kind of what it can do, what it's always had the capability to do, and, like, you know, have that kind of respect for it. Respect classic shoujo more. It's yeah. very important. And also make more shoujo, shoujo anime now so we can respect it in the future. Yes, 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 yes. And may I add, yes. Give it a budget of more than $2, for God's sake. Poor Rose King. <sighs> Sorry. Not that I'm not bitter or anything. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, listeners and readers of the transcript at home, for joining us on this watch along. I really relish the chance to get to talk about classic series like this, and I hope that we have helped a few people discover the show that wouldn't have before. If you like this kind of thing, you can find more from us in the podcast and in articles by going to our website, www.animefeminist.com. And if you really liked what you've heard here today, you can support us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash anime feminist. Even just a dollar a month really goes a long way to helping us continue to pay our, our contributors and our editorial team for all the hard work they do and our transcriber for this very podcast. Uh, and for $5 a month, if you like podcasts, we put out an additional patrons only one every single month. We also just did a shiny new redesign of our logo. And if you like it, you can see cool merch of it, along with some other very cute designs on our store, which is animefeminist.com slash store. We're on social media. We are on Twitter still for now until it, you know, becomes untenable uh, at anime feminist. We've made a mastodon at anime feminist. If that is where you hang out. And we are also still on Tumblr at animefeminist.tumblr.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Anna fam. And just because I will perish if I don't get to say it once, be strong.